is Friday, July 26th, 2016. This is Room in the Trees, a podcast about acquiring, having, transporting, storing, shipping, using, and loving stuff. I guess we hope it's more about actually making stuff. We make stuff around here. The following was recorded on July 7th, 2016. This is episode number 14, Textured Stuff. Room in the Trees is hosted by Sabrina Harrison and me, Trent Reynolds. Show notes including pictures, links, video, and more for every episode can be found at roominthetrees.com. Please, please, please help us reach more people by writing us a review at iTunes.com. And if you like the podcast, please consider subscribing at Patreon.com backslash room. As promised, this week we will be talking about stuff. And there is a lot to cover. Here it is. I would have been out here a little bit sooner, but they gave me uh, the wrong dressing room, and I couldn't find any place to put my stuff. And Do you I don't remember know you are, talking about the comedian George Carlin? Stuff, so. mm-hmm. And remember his piece about stuff? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've got to put that in show notes. <laughs> I thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about stuff. And is there uh, an event that's happened this week that's making there, you... There is. It was a week ago today that, which is incredible what can happen in seven days. A week ago today, my dad and my friend Emily were in Portland, Oregon, going through my stuff. And now my stuff is here. And I'm sitting on my stuff right now. (laughs) (laughs) How much stuff are we talking about? What's uh, the poundage? We're talking 600 pounds. <laughs> 600 pounds. That is 600 pounds that Sabrina solely lifted upstairs. How did you do that? Did, so you rented a truck to go get this stuff, right? I did. Right? Happily and, impressed with zip cars. I rented a pickup truck. And, and how did you get the stuff in the truck? I got the stuff. <laughs> well... the funny part is is that (laughs) I talked to Emily afterwards she's like yeah your dad was pretty over it (laughs) I can just picture the whole situation right now he's like he was pretty over it (laughs) 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 So, so when it was wheeled off so I went over there to Amtrak in Milwaukee, and there was 20 boxes. I'm like, okay, 20 boxes. Got to fit in this pickup truck. And I, <laughs> and there was no tracking number. It was no, nothing like, oh, this it's not insured. It's just like, well, it was literally just chucked on a train. Like, it was just like. <laughs> <laughs> With a sticky notice. Yeah, literally, there was like. <laughs> There's a random backpack just like tossed in the pile. There was like, there was like one of the things I asked for was all my DV tapes of the past 15 or 18 years of my life that I've been carefully, not really carefully, but definitely documenting and recording. And I thought if ever going to make a little film 
or do a documentary about, you know, pro projects in the Tree Living Project. Like these are vital. They're not backed up. I don't have them. I don't transport it onto hard drives or anything. And so I asked, they're very special if you find them. So I open this thing that looks like a pizza box. <laughs> this, the tape is not even really on it. Like it didn't, I didn't have to cut any tape away. I just opened it. And there was all my DV tapes. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> Glad they made them. <laughs> let's, let's hope they play. So I, um, but super cheap. If anyone out there is moving stuff, 600 pounds of stuff. Costs three hundred and ninety-seven dollars. Wow, that's so, amazing. Even like one package to you know France with normal mail could cost that much. It was a it was a pretty heavy package. Right, <laughs> <laughs> six hundred pounds of stuff. So across the country. Yep. Yeah. So. So you've got you've got uh, mini DVs in there, and what what else? What other kinds of uh, stuff we're we talking about? <laughs> well, random stuff. Well, I don't know if it. Well, it, let me tell you one more thing about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really want to talk about the storage because storage. I don't know if people listening. Storage has been a big, big part of my life. Big, I don't know if you have anything in storage, but I'm also curious, you as being a part of a family where you have children and then their stuff, and how do you get, yeah. what do you decide to get rid of? Like, anyway. Well, and uh, something I want to bring up real quick, yeah. uh, but we'll talk about after um, in regards to stuff. I've found that the, like, not having room to store stuff has affected for sure uh, the kind of artwork that I make, I would love to make yeah. bigger things, you know, but just, I know I don't have anywhere to put them. Um, and then that, and then, oh, there's something else that I was thinking about just in terms of stuff. Anyway, like how, oh, oh, like I, I get students or I talk to, especially like kids in, in college, there's this anxiety about producing more junk for landfills and, and like, um, like almost that making artwork is immoral in that sense. Like we're just making more trash for the earth, you know, anyway, we'll talk about that at some other uh -huh. point. I just wanted to throw that out there. That leads quietly into kind of the point that my dad had with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because I tend to work on stuff <laughs> that is kind of trashy, like, I don't, so my dad said, we got to just, he said to Emily, and then he, I got a text, he said, we got to just throw this art away. We got to just, I'm, I'm just going to buy her some new art supplies. We're just going to throw this stuff out. And Emily's like, <laughs> okay. Um, you know, he was just over, because he's someone who likes new, fresh, like if the seatbelt's twisted in his car, it's like time for a new car. Can't remember him saying that once. He was kind of joking, but. Right. Like, I love kind of broken down, found, collected, discarded, forgotten stuff. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you've got so much broken. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of broken furniture I have hauled around just because I like it has it has a story. Right. That's the thing. I'm very attached to everything. You know, it's I've always thought about what I have kind of like 
kind of like part of a set of a play. Like it's, it's, they're the props, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it's because I've lived so many places. So everything I have, I've kind of found somewhere and I, right. maybe it's just Fort Builder style. Like it's just kind of instinct. Well, and uh, maybe worth mentioning that you would probably pay as much money to keep that old broken stuff as you would to buy new stuff. That's what he made very, very clear to me. <laughs> <laughs> I would so love just to have video of that whole dynamic of him like navigating that whole situation and... Yeah. I know. I know. I should have had them. So that's why I remember when I had to get off the podcast last week for a second, because that's when he was like FaceTime frantically, like sending stuff on a train, you know, so I had to kind of answer the call. So I, yeah, it's a, so yeah, that's, so when you talked about last week, the John Baltasari thing about burning all his stuff. Mm -hmm. I got me thinking about one solution. It's, it's not a perfect solution, but it's one idea I thought of. Okay. What if I, so I have a lot of really big pieces of on wood that are like four foot by four foot that are from forever ago. They are from when I did the music video for Sixpence Done the Richer forever ago. I've hauled them from San Francisco to New York. I didn't know you did a music video for Six Pension and the Richer when that oh, yeah. happened. Look it up. Look it up. It's online. I'm in the video. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah. But those pieces of wood in that video, so if you, if you look it up on YouTube, it's Six Pension and the Richer. There she goes. Oh, even that song. I think I was in the Philippines when that came out, so that would explain that. It was really popular. Um, I have the pieces of wood from that project, and I've moved them from San Francisco to New York City. New York City, back to San Francisco. San Francisco... Oh my gosh, Sam... Oh my gosh, so many times. And I just have to stop. I just have to stop. And I've worked on them the whole time, just paint over them, do something different extremely heavy so what I thought is kicking the edges off them with a big sledgehammer <laughs> and then hiring some someone who like is a handyman that can just drive up and <laughs> sorry it sounds <laughs> it sounds kind of sketchy but um, drives up one of his <laughs> <laughs> this will be videotaped Drives up in his... <laughs> oh, drives up in his van. <laughs> drives up in his van. <laughs> and he has a table saw. And we just cut all the pieces down to squares. And I just have a bunch of small works on wood that I can work on to. And I pack them up like they could be 12 by 12 or 18 by 18 squares. And if I just bust all the sides off the stuff, I could just have textured stuff. (laughs) (laughs) 
So. I think that's, <laughs> that's a great idea. I think that's a great idea. But I feel I couldn't just throw it out. Well, and if this has been in a music video, that's kind of a cool thing. But it's, yeah, there, there's... I've left them in, with different people all across the country as I've moved from place to place. There, there were originally 23 panels. So I'm, I'm watching the video as we're talking here. It's pretty fantastic. Without Shout this, out Brandon without, Dickerson, who's the director. He's an awesome guy. And who's the, the dude that... Um, that oh, Adam were, Goldberg, I think. Yeah, he looks really familiar. Why, yeah, he's uh, in a lot of TV shows and a couple okay. of movies and stuff. So funny. What I also have in there is every page of every one of the books. So, like, uh, close to a thousand pieces of art that are originals that I have to do something with. What are you going to do with all this stuff? You. You're, you're, so you talked about maybe repurposing some of it or cutting some of it down or selling it off or... I'm ready to let stuff go. Right. Um, at the same time, I don't know where to begin with it, like especially with all the original pages. I just start... Are, so. you, gonna, are you feeling like you need to document it or is it not really... Well, it's documented in the books. Right, right. So you don't need it to do anything else with that. I could take really good high-res pictures. Which I try to do. And by the way, that's just hard to get photograph your artwork. That is just so... It and is. You light, you light up your stuff really well in the studio. But, oh my gosh. It's so maddening. You do it all. You think you've got the light and you really import them all and you go, nope. Yep. No, it is it is very tricky. And I even when I try my hardest to light things evenly and I watched hours of YouTube videos and lynda.com videos and bought equipment and even still it's just hard to get really good even exposure and I end up, you know, pulling it into Photoshop and trying to fix lighting issues all the time, so it's hard. Want to talk about your stuff? What about so, supplies? Are you just are you a thrower outer of stuff? No, you know uh, Laura is really good about that, and That's we great. Uh, well. There's one thing. One thing is that we live in a fairly small space. You know, it's a two bedroom apartment, um, and we do have a private garage, so there's that. But. I made a bunch of really large paintings for a solo show I had down in Santa Monica. Probably it's been several years ago now. Um, and I had nowhere at the time I was using the garage as my, my studio and I had nowhere to put these big paintings. Um, my parents were moving out of their place and you know, whatever. It, there's just no other where to, no other place to put them. So we ended up putting our bed up on cinder blocks, the old, yeah. cinder block tricks uh, so we we have like the my wife and I sleep on a bed that's on top of cinder blocks because my 
big paintings of green guys are stored, are stored under our bed. Until recently, when I moved into this new studio space, um, I pulled the big paintings out and they're now in the garage. But So there's that. Um, I also have just accumulated a huge amount of art supplies yeah. over the years. And the the kind of hard thing about art supplies is that I can't tell you how many times I've been in a very specific situation where I needed a very specific uh-huh. art supply and I'll go in and I'll, and I'll have that art supply from when I was in high school. Like I kept this little packet of oil pastels that I found on Mealif's, you know, whatever in a throwaway art supply bin. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was exactly what I needed in that moment. And had I not, saved it for two decades, you know, I wouldn't have had it. And so there's this anxiety about throwing away art supplies because you know that the time is going to come when you're going to need exactly that one thing. Yeah. And, and so I've got, I've got like, you know, gallons of oops paint Mm -hmm. from Home Depot, you know, in these nasty Mm -hmm. colors, but I know that I'm going to be teaching a workshop and wish I had a bunch of oops paint for people to play around with. Yeah. And multiply that by, you know, again, you know, two decades worth of collecting all this stuff. And then I have, I teach, uh, one of the schools I've, I've been teaching at for the last eight years is uh, Emeritus, which is for older adults. So I've had two uh, adults now, uh, older retired adults. One uh, passed away and she, she gave me all her stuff. So her, her house, her, her help, um, she was disabled and, and, uh, or in a wheelchair, uh, her, and her, her helper would come with her to class. Her helper showed up one day, um, distraught, you know, very upset that, that this woman had died. And she told me that she had some supplies to give me. And I said, okay, well, um, you know, just go ahead and bring them into class. And she said, no, you've got to come outside <laughs> And she had a whole, like, a car packed full, full of stuff. Like, two easels, um, pads and pads and pads of paper, drawing boards, charcoal, brushes, you know, and, and... and of course, I've always always have students that need stuff, or, and I also like to be able to give people stuff if uh, you know if they want to try something that they don't have the materials for. Anyway, all of this, and so I, and then I had another student that was moving to an assisted living facility, and their her kids were trying to get rid of all of her stuff. So I got I inherited like two hundred art books, <laughs> and again, like drawing pads and watercolor paper blocks. You know these. Watercolor paper blocks are expensive. They like are. 50, yeah. 50 bucks for like 20 sheets of, of watercolor paper. And she gave me like five of them. So I'm like, wow. you, like you can't. Exactly. You can't turn this stuff away. But then I'm put in a situation where now I have a tremendous amount of stuff. So that's my stuff situation. I wonder if there are people that have done projects where they're like, I'm going to use every thing I have in this house like like I, I have so many pieces like one of the things I got this box full of just pieces of paper I I keep little bits for collaging and so on that I've had that's my thing is I have these little remnants of things that I think well this will work in a piece this will work in a piece and little textural bits of this and that <clears throat> and I like what if I just 
I'm looking at this box right now with these eyes are just staring it down right now. I'm thinking, what if I used everything in this box? <laughs> you just had to make something with this stuff. Only what's in the box. There's something so tempting about purging, about just like getting rid of mm-hmm. all of it and burning it to the ground and starting over. Because there is, there's like this psychological weight of, and just the logistics of putting this stuff somewhere and storing it and maintaining it. And uh, it's just horrible. So yeah, I totally get that. And I feel like I have to change mediums because I love fabric. I love textiles. I'm like, I, she sent me up all this random fabric. I'm like, I don't sew. I don't quilt. What am I thinking? Like, what am I, how do I even, pe- what do I do with this fabric? But I love it. But. Right. Well, that that gets into the, the you know, the question of how much uh, the acquiring of stuff, supplies, materials, um, affects what we will what what we produce right like i i want to do big paintings like that's where my heart is mm-hmm. but like there's just the practicality of i don't have anywhere to put these things and people aren't buying what about them, you so. what if you change the surface of it you know material like can it be stuff that's rolled yeah so that's that's that has been my answer i've started working on big sheets of paper which i like a lot and like even just the idea of paper i i like how impermanent it is and you know it's kind of more fragile than a canvas or a a big panel or something like that so i do like paper but we have you know there's in this area for whatever reason especially in this apartment that we've been living in there's a lot of silverfish and they like to chew up paper there's a lot of what silverfish what's that they're the little like earwig like um Ew. Little bugs. They're called silver fish? Yeah. Yeah, they look like little miniature, tiny, tiny little fish that you've seen them before. I you guess I didn't know that's what they're called. Yeah, so silver fish eat paper and they leave little yeah. trails of chew marks. So that's something that, <laughs> that's a problem with uh, with storing paper. But it's okay in your studio. So far, so far in the studio, I haven't had that problem. But like, I pulled out a bunch of drawings uh, and paintings that I did on paper to move them over here, and there were these like, their chew marks on the, uh. on the paintings. So, I don't know. I, it, honestly, the, like the chew marks, sometimes they add. <laughs> yeah. I kind of <laughs> like the, the, they create interesting little dot patterns that I kind of like, but, uh, but they're. You know, their problem with storing that stuff. And when you roll when you roll something up, especially paper, it seems like, well, A, if it gets damaged, if uh-huh. somebody steps on it, then you, you've got like this repeating crease down the whole... Oh, yeah, that is so frustrating. Yeah, uh, I was so angry at my dad. I, I had students in it. I was teaching at LOXA, L.A. County High School for the Arts, and had the, my students all do these huge drawings that I rolled up and put in my trunk and my dad came along and threw this huge heavy something or a box and just landed right on that rolled up all these student final all pro- the, they're, projects all, oh they were all rolled together they were all rolled together these oh. huge drawings and every single one of them was just you know just destroyed anyway <sighs> so there's that too is there any way to get cre- you really can't you can't like iron it out right you can't really do anything about 
creases? Uh, it depends. Like you can, um, if it's acrylic, you can mist the back of the canvas, and sometimes getting it wet will will get rid of some of it. And you can try ironing it, but then you got to be careful not to melt or you know burn something, and that could probably affect color and yeah. the, how brittle the paint is, and all sorts of stuff like that. There, there are people like. Um, I don't know, Leon Golub and Carrie James Marshall, that paint on tarps, you know, with like grommet, grommets around them. I love the idea of painting on tarps. That's really, I would love to see what the work looks like. So, so uh, our use of materials are accumulating stuff or storing stuff and like having to just deal with stuff definitely can dictate or limit the kind of artwork we create. I guess that's an obvious thing to say, but. And, you know, the other thing is my work is so personal that when I, I just got a box full of some of the journals, like just before you, our podcast today, I thought I had a few minutes, so I just opened one of them, like, what am I going to read? And so with every book that I've done, there's probably 15 journals worth of writing, you know, for, so it was probably only 25% of out of those 15 journals goes into one of the books. So I have all the writing around what I've chosen. I have the, you know, 10 pages in front of it and behind it. And it was interesting to open up. So a lot of what I've saved, which is will be interesting to let go of, is a lot of stuff that's about those memories, a lot of person, just personal um, memory-triggering items, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think that's why people store stuff, <laughs> store stuff too. Like, yeah. it, um, and so letting that go and trusting that those, all that lives within me. Um, well, I, my, my wife is a very avid journaler mm-hmm. and I don't journal, but I have kept every scrap of like any letter or note or whatever piece of paper that somebody has written to me. I have boxes of these old letters yeah. and I kind of consider those to be my journal. And I don't know that anybody would ever read those someday, you know, some descendant of mine, but I, it kind of makes me like it, that feels like my, my personal history. So like I have a really hard time thinking about giving all that stuff up, even though there are these boxes of just, you know, letters that probably are minimally significant to my life, but you know, through my history. Where, and where do you store those? Uh, there is a bookshelf in, in a, in a closet in our apartment that I've got probably two or three pretty good size boxes of letters in. What's Laura's trick for getting, you know, keeping, cause you, there's a, there are, there's four of you in that apartment. Yeah. So that's the deal is that luckily she is really good at, um, just regularly going through everything and getting rid of rid of things. Does she donate it? Does she She yep. She donates it. She gives it to like like kids toys she'll give to other or swap with other parents like um Oh that's cool for other stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we don't accumulate more. She'll take, you know, some toys that our kids are done playing with or sick of playing with and she'll swap them with somebody else. Does she ask them if she can take them because I would think that would be hard to like the kid be like no I want that and you're like you dude you don't play with it anymore like no I don't want it 
Now, if you ask them, then they, they of course, they're going to say, like, that's their favorite toy. So she, she just knows what they awesome. will. And sometimes if it's something that's in question, and she, <laughs> she does this with me, too. Like if it's something, if it's something that she's not sure about, like if I really would miss or not, she'll just hide it. And if uh-huh. I don't say anything about it for a while, <laughs> that's clever. Yes. Well, we've had a little, we've had a little tension about that in our relationship because she very proudly announced to me one day that she had thrown something away that I really wanted to keep. <laughs> no. But she had hidden it for a whole year and I had no. not mentioned it at all, you know, or even, you know, whatever looked for it. And she felt like that was long enough time to make what? the decision. Where's her secret stash? <laughs> I don't know. Like she'll she'll just put it like way in the back corner of a closet underneath something. So it's like there's no way I would go looking there. And I can't even remember now what it was that she threw away that I got upset about. But I was like, I can't believe you threw that away. That was, that's my stuff. You yeah. Threw them away. Oh, did you have something to say about the, you were talking about the grad students or students in the sense of not. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, there is this kind of strange thing. I don't think it's strange necessarily, but but it's understandable. But strange in that it's not something that ever really came to my mind before I heard other students bringing it up. And that is like this anxiety that some art students feel coming into like coming into art school that they don't want to contribute to the to the trash in this on this planet. You know, like um, they feel like we're just drawing on paper and making bad drawings and more bad drawings and throwing the paper away or storing it or, you know, killing trees and filling landfills. And, uh, that it's like, there's almost a moral issue about making art. Like we're just contributing to, uh, you know, the junk on this planet. What do you think about that? What would your response be to that? I, I whatever, that sounds like such an art school, like, I just feel like, then what are you doing there? Like, go buy a tablet and just draw away on it and never touch a piece of paper and material with your hands again. Like, come on. <laughs> right. Does it does, so does it seem like just a totally unreasonable point of view? Well, well but to a certain well, degree, like, look at uh, in your own work, you kind of repurpose. Exactly. That's what I, I, I guess. So you're referring to directly, like, if they have a solution like repurposing, like I, oh, I do not, I rarely buy brand new paper. I, I love going to reuse center. It's more of an adventure that way to discover. But that's that's not out of like a moral obligation to not produce more trash, right? That's like you just like, yeah. You like the story. You like the because it already history. has a story to it. Yeah. Right. Right. But I do. I I can see people. I think there's a lot of waste as far as containers. Like, you don't have to buy a bunch of brand-new white plastic container for this, container for my mix and my water. Like, use some mason jars, use some yogurt containers, you know. I, yeah, I see that. I see. I, I definitely see that. That I, I would agree with that. 
I, I have a big problem with people constantly buying more art supplies. Like, just come on. It's not right. going to make you a better artist at all. Right, right. You should use some, you can use some berries off a tree and a number two pencil and you can do some stuff with it. <laughs> right. Well, that, that is an interesting thing. Just, you know, that, that somehow there's this perception that the accumulating more stuff will m make you better. And I guess this isn't just art. This is anything, right? Like, and that's rarely the case. Usually it has more to do with you just actually putting time doing, developing that skill, whatever it is. And it has little to do or less to do with the, the materials you're, you're using. I think when you travel and you just have a bit of, you just, I just keep laughing because I think of George Carlin. So funny, everything I'm saying just reminds me of that that piece he does about stuff. But when you travel, you just you just have a bit of stuff with you. <laughs> and when you have say art supplies, like I think about being in Italy and you just have a little set of watercolors and you have a little sketchbook and you can what you can do with a little bit of acrylic medium and some watercolors and two pens and a pencil. Mm -hmm. You can have magic moments. Magic. I, I've, uh, I've seen uh, the a friend of mine in grad school did these drawings, uh, just smearing dirt on paper. Oh yeah. And, and they were amazing. They were really lovely, lovely drawings. Not to say that, you know, I mean, there are a lot of, different characteristics and different reasons you'd want to use different kinds of materials. But this, this feeling that you need stuff to be creative or need to acquire a certain kind of stuff to be creative and find fulfillment. If you were to use a supply that was not, that was just from the earth, what would you, what would be your first go-to thing you might be, you might try? Supply from the earth. I I love the the color of um of cherry cherries like mm. cherry cherry juice and tea like that kind of sienna sienna color I think is is beautiful. Um, Did you do something like that this week? Make something with cherries or teas. Whatever, Tea. it has to be something you find on your way to and from the studio. Is that possible? Or around the so. property. You could do something that's on the block that you're... Okay, I'm going to write this down. Um, so I have to do something with found... Natural objects. With found natural objects. Or materials. Materials. Do we want to make some like uh, declaration or final comments about stuff? Or should we just leave it at yeah, that? Yeah, let's have a moment for that. A moment for stuff? I just want to say, in conclusion, I feel like I, I think I get this from my dad, like the, the need to kind of wrap things up and tie yeah. a bow, you know. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I'm just going to go with this. Uh, I want to say to the the people out there that have this anxiety about creating more junk that you just you got to embrace the fact that we are creative beings and you I think that's weak sauce to 
to turn it into this moral issue and it's not you're just afraid of messing up you're afraid of making a mistake you're afraid of taking a risk to to actually try something new and if you don't want to use make more junk then find uh you know find an old piece of paper go to a landfill and collect little bits of used paper and make some drawings on them or there are a lot of different ways to become a creative person without adding to the problem of junk on this planet and uh shame on you I'm going to say that right now. Shame on you if you're keeping, uh, staying away from your creative impulse because you're afraid of adding to the junk on the planet. There's a lot of better ways that you could spend your, uh, you know, your your concern for the planet. You know, we definitely, we need more creativity on this planet, not more fear of creativity. That's all. Well said. Well said. And use, and also for people to really, if they have a stack of paper, start using the paper. Start using it now. Don't save it for later. That's, and I think that's definitely part of it too. And I guess that I wanted to, was thinking of is that people don't use the stuff they have because they're afraid of using it in a bad way. Yeah. Or make, making junk, making stuff that is not worthy of the material that, that they're working on. And that's that's stupid. Think of, for a perfect example, the two women that passed on their stuff. They could have used all that stuff up and really, you know. Yep. Yep, use your stuff. Is that use the message? your stuff. Yeah. Use your stuff. My, my, my kind of th- final thoughts about my stuff is I really am people listening, I am in the middle of really deciding what to do with my stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the thick of it. So any, um, that, so I have a third of my stuff. I have 600 pounds of my stuff here in Madison. I have a lot of my original work is still in Portland because that was just not going to be sent on the train. So I will be headed out there and I, people have asked about coming and seeing what I have and and purchasing some of my work, which I would love. And there's, I haven't ever held on to my stuff because I want to keep it all and I don't want to sell it. I just have never put my focus on finding an artist rep um, or an art dealer or a gallery that should have my stuff. If people have ideas or, you know, I don't, I don't want to spend the time carefully photo going back again. You know, you can get stopped. I think, well, I have to photograph everything really well. I'm kind of trying to avoid some of those easy hang-ups. Um, but but you're primarily of, interested in getting it out there, though, right? Yeah, and, I would. I just have beautiful work that needs that I want to be in people's homes. I don't have the space to keep it myself, and I've loved making it, and I treasured the process of making it. But it, it seems right that they're they should be in your homes out there, and I'd love seeing my pieces in people's homes. You know, so. I kind of feel lonely for them. Like they're stuck there and they want to, they want to live and be, you know, be around you. So let's make that happen. This summer it's going to happen. My goal is to have that handled by September. Fantastic. I think that's great. Good, good, good podcast. 
That was funny. <laughs> you can find show notes for this episode at roominthetrees.com. You can support us by subscribing for five bucks a month. Folks, that's less than a burrito. At patreon.com forward slash room. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash room. There are some very funny outtakes we send you each week. Um, it really helps us to reach more people if you would rate us on iTunes. We're reading your reviews, and we thank you so much for taking the time. It really helps us. Thank you for the shout-out on Instagram this week, Jen Barrows, from a splendid, messy life. It was very cool to see us be in your top four podcasts. Trent's brother, Brent, provided the music for the podcast, and next week we'll be talking to our high school art teacher, Karen Ring-Milith. Now, folks, go make some stuff with your stuff. <laughs> <laughs>